A man is sitting in a plain, whitewashed room, holding only a bed, chair, table, and wash basin in a nondescript corner of the capital city of Rome. He is sitting at the table, looking at a sheaf of parchment paper, considering what it is that he means to write down upon it. Before him, spread across the top of the table, are other loose-leaf pieces of parchment, some as old as 30 years, all in the hand of one of his oldest friends. That friend, Simon Peter, was recently executed, crucified head down. This man, John Mark, looks at his handwritten notes. His mind starts to drift. For something like 30 years, these two men and other men and women all over the Roman world have been on an endless quest to follow a man who they also believe is simultaneously God, who himself 30 years before this was crucified, yet who they believe is still presently alive. That man's name is Jesus of Nazareth in Galilee. All those many years ago, this Jesus seemed to spring up out of nowhere. He began teaching and preaching and healing in an obscure corner of Israel. His presence was electrifying, even magnetizing. Huge crowds of all kinds of people were drawn to him everywhere he went. He taught all comers of a kingdom, but of heaven, and of of an entirely different way of, of living, thinking, and interacting, both with God and men. In fact, many began to believe that this man might indeed be God, He certainly spoke and lived with an authority like God until he was arrested, tried, condemned, both religiously and imperially, and then crucified on a strangely, suddenly dark Friday. After which, after less than 48 hours, he began appearing flesh and blood again to the brothers and sisters who'd been following him. After which... After 40 days of such scattered fleshly appearances, he suddenly ascended into the cloudy sky and disappeared. After which, after another 10 days of waiting, wondering, and prayer, his very life, his spirit, descended to possess the inner lives of his friends. Simon Peter and the man sitting alone in this room in Rome 30 years later were two of those friends. Over these last three decades, from Jerusalem, out through Judea, past Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, the word and spirit of Jesus have been spreading. Thousands upon thousands of people have heard of him, believed in him, and then begun the actual daily task of following him. But how did they hear? Meaning, what was the style, the manner of such proclamation and belief? Well, quite simply, it was the spoken reminiscences of those who'd been around him over the course of his life and ministry. It was people saying, well, on this day, we were walking along the seashore when suddenly he did this or that. It was eyewitness testimony, firsthand, the sort of words, images, and descriptions that Simon Peter would occasionally jot down. The remembered accounts of parables, teachings, turns of phrase, even inside jokes 
that are written down upon these pieces of parchment scattered right there in front of John Mark. So on this day, he glances at the notes one more time. He takes a long, deep breath, lets it out. Then he says a prayer, speaking directly to the man, Jesus, about whom he's preparing to write, and takes up his quill and quietly begins to write these words. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begins with the fulfillment of this prophecy of Isaiah. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ye ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. For John came and began to baptize men in the desert, proclaiming baptism as the mark of a complete change of heart and of the forgiveness of sins. All the people of the Judean countryside and everyone in Jerusalem went out to him in the desert and received his baptism in the river Jordan, publicly confessing their sins. John himself was dressed in camel hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he lived on locusts and wild honey. The burden of his preaching was, There is someone coming after me who is stronger than I. Indeed, I am not good enough to kneel down and undo his shoes. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It was in those days that Jesus arrived from the Galilean village of Nazareth and was baptized by John in the Jordan. All at once, as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split open and the Spirit coming down upon him like a dove. A voice came out of heaven saying, You are my dearly beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then the Spirit sent him out at once into the desert, and there he remained for forty days while Satan tempted him. During this time, there was no one with him but wild animals, and only the angels were there to care for him. Well, my friends, that that I just read you is Mark 1, the opening verse up to 13. And I want to tell you a little bit about where not just this podcast, but the upcoming, let's call it year, is going to be heading. I have been for about a year, right now it's August of 2021, I've been working my way through all four of the Gospels, doing imaginative vignettes, enjoying the imagination, but also the, the sort of the work of the Spirit as I encounter Jesus in His Word. And so what it's kind of calling up in me as the Anchor Fellowship begins the next year, 2021 into 2022, is that we're going to take a totally different approach to the book of Mark. We're going to go through the book of Mark using what I'm going to call the literary approach. And I want to prepare your hearts I'm going to use my imagination and I'm going to invite you to use your imagination because the book of Mark, the first of the gospels to be written down, is very spare. It does not offer a ton of detail as we go through. And so in at times a fictionalized way, at times just a descriptive way, what I want to do this year is use our imaginations to sort of be there, to go through these texts in short segments 
and really imagine our way into the presence of the moment. And I want to prepare your hearts. Some of you have been listening to me for years. You know that I love the Word of God, and in no way am I trying to, quote, add to the Word of God. But I just want to bring these things out in an exciting firsthand sort of way. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Today, we'll start back again, verse 1. And I've kind of gone through, and I've brought in from my own readings, from even my own experience being in Israel years ago, more description, just trying to kind of bring you into that firsthand place. So I'm going to share with you now those verses, Mark 1 through 13, 1, 1 through 13, um, in the literary style that we're going to use this year in the anchor. And so maybe close your eyes, sit back, relax, and let's take these words in a slightly different way. So here we go. Mark 1, 1 through 13. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begins with the fulfillment of this prophecy of Isaiah. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. For John came and began to baptize men in the desert proclaiming baptism as the mark of a complete change of heart and of the forgiveness of sins. It had all begun on a day like any other. Bands of travelers were walking along the road along the edge of the Jordan River when, glancing over, they saw a man on the rise of the riverbank. He stared at them as they walked by. They began themselves to stare back. A few approached him and asked, Can we help you, sir? You seem to be alone on this edge of the wilderness. And by way of reply, with a fire emanating from his eyes, his countenance, he began to speak as if to crowds of thousands. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The travelers carried the tale of this strange, wild-eyed speaker back to Jerusalem. The next day, a few more came out. Then more the next day, and the next, and the next. All the people of the Judean countryside and everyone in Jerusalem eventually went out to him in the desert and received his baptism in the River Jordan, publicly confessing their sins. It would have been difficult to chart the growth of that migration, the way the city and surrounding towns emptied in the direction of John, this one they now called the Baptist. The whole thing had started so small, after all, from those initial drips and drops of a few people here, a few people there. Eventually, whole blocks and streets worth of people were on their way out to him. The rumors of his messages became like a wildfire in Jerusalem. This was exactly the point in time when the religious authorities became interested. You see, what captivated the people wasn't necessarily the look in his eyes or the call to a new way of life or even the strangeness of the repurposing of this act of baptism. What fascinated them, what frightened the scribes and Pharisees to the depths of their being was how the Baptist seemed to be drawing a final line in the sand. It was like he looked across the whole of Hebrew history, everything of their forefathers and the law, 
and then excommunicated the whole of the religious past from the way of God. That was what was either terribly interesting or absolutely terrifying. John himself was dressed in camel hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he lived on locusts and wild honey. The burden of his preaching was, there is someone coming after me who is stronger than I. Indeed, I am not good enough to kneel down and undo his shoes. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. These words carried uh, like the echoing of thunder over the crowds. There was John, waist deep in the chalky greenish waters of the river, under the pale vaulted ceiling of the heavens. And here were they, standing on the dusty golden shoreline, surrounded by low reeds and rushes, with the breeze blowing in the distant trees. And yet, between them, separated by only a few feet, and yet separating everything that was from what was forever to be, was the word of John regarding this word who was to come. John himself didn't know the man, despite their close familial ties, and yet in his heart and spirit, the one who was to come had always been. He pre-existed existence. He was the creator and upholder. John's life had always been haunted by his presence. And so it was in those days that Jesus arrived from the Galilean village of Nazareth. He arrived to the Jordan unnoticed. He had set out from Nazareth, saying goodbye to his mother, brothers, sisters, and friends, and had taken the same southward walk that would eventually lead to his death. Near Jerusalem, he turned with the crowds, followed them out east-northeast toward the Jordan River in, in the rumored location of his cousin John. Late in the afternoon, he arrived there. John was down below, standing in the waters, inviting all repentant hearts to totally leave behind the old and prepare for the new. Jesus listened along with everyone else. Until all at once, with his wild eyes ranging across the faces of the crowds, John ceased speaking. He and his cousin had locked eyes. John knew that the moment had arrived. And silently, with the crowds all suddenly silent too, Jesus wended his way through the people along the shoreline and entered the water toward his cousin. And he was baptized by John in the Jordan. They'd come face to face, eye to eye, exchanged a few brief words, and then like everyone else, John took hold of Jesus. Jesus leaned his weight against the arms of his cousin and then went down, feeling the waters closing over him. Then all at once, as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split open and the Spirit coming down upon him like a dove. A voice came out of heaven saying, You are my dearly beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The riverside crowds saw and heard all of this too. 
They saw the opening out of the evening sky, the sunset colors split by the invasion of another realm, and they watched the descent of a bird, a dove, from out of the void. They watched the dove descend, winging its way lower and lower until reaching the man it landed upon him and then disappeared. Suddenly, thunder. Or was that thunder? The ground rumbled beneath that overpowering sound from the heavens. At the center of which, standing in the quiet waters of the evening flow of the river, receiving all of their stares with peacefulness, was him, Jesus. His eyes take in the faces of the crowd. Then the Spirit sent him out at once into the desert. And there he remained for 40 days while Satan tempted him. During this time, no one was with him but wild animals. And only the angels were there to care for him. And so wrote John Mark, leaving Jesus, leaving the reader, at the exact point of the arriving departure of Jesus of Nazareth. Filled with the Spirit, fighting the voice of the tempter, living in the balance between the ways of the flesh and the ways of heaven. The next three years, all his life, all his ministry will be lived on a knife's edge between the paradoxes he'll come to dominate. The God who is yet man, the ruler of heaven who is yet the son of man, the prince of peace who's every day will hold the strife of battle. All of this will rest upon him like a yoke. And he will carry it all every day for all of us.